Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day and welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here on this Thursday, the 3rd of June, 2021. And uh, off the top, just wanted to uh, thank you if you're a brand new listener. Thank you for plugging into the podcast. Hopefully this episode is going to be of value to you. And of course, if you are a returned listener, and I know there's a few of those, uh, greatly appreciate you continuing to plug plug into the podcast. And again, hopefully I'm continuing to add value to you in your quest to become an exceptional sales leader. And hey, I greatly appreciate a lot of the feedback I'm getting as well through the various social channels and email and text messages and so forth and also conversations. So greatly appreciate it. Uh, greatly appreciate it. And uh, it, it's great to know that there are people listening out there on the podcast. So if you do happen to have somebody within your sphere of influence who hasn't necessarily plugged yet into a podcast such as this, and you think this would be a value for them to plug into, listen to, and maybe get some value from, then I would greatly appreciate you sharing this with them, letting them know that this might be something they might want to um, invest in, in terms of listening, because it might actually have some things in there that uh, may be of value to them in their quest also to become an exceptional sales leader. So if that's possible, uh, if you've got somebody within your sphere of influence who you believe could benefit from this particular podcast, then please share it with them. That would be uh, that would be awesome. Thank you so much. So a quick, quick follow-on from yesterday's podcast where we talked about the aim of the game is to give. The aim of the game is giving, not necessarily winning. The thing is with this, often we will end up winning. Because the more we give, the more we focus, the more we get feedback, the better we're going to become at our, at our technique, at our craft. But also, we can find out things about ourselves and our company that may not necessarily feel like a win, but they teach us a huge lesson. And that's what I want to talk about today, that sometimes a lesson is actually a win. And they can be stepping stones to continual improvement. And often you'll find this out down the track where you'll be looking back and thinking, oh, that experience I had back in May of 2021 or in June of 2021 I didn't realize at the time because it didn't feel good. <laughs> it was it was a lesson and sometimes it was a harsh, harsh lesson that I needed to learn. It wasn't until you know January of 2022 that I realized I had to learn that lesson in order to be in a position that I am sitting in right now. And so sometimes we need to recognize that a lesson is a win. Even though at the time, it may feel like anything other than a win. And it reminds me of a book that John Maxwell wrote a few years ago by the title of Sometimes You Win... And sometimes you learn. Now, this is an attitude. This is an approach to to sales and it's an approach to leadership and it's an approach to life, really. Uh, when things go well, uh, it feels great and you feel it feels like you're winning. When things go bad, how often do we as individuals and maybe as teams and how often do you hear other people talk about the fact that, oh, I didn't do that well or I failed at that. I lost. I lost the game. I lost the business. I failed to get this this done, etc., etc. It comes down to an approach, it comes down to an attitude, and it comes down to what we think about a certain situation, how we process that, and how we how we apply a certain perspective to that. And this comes down to a mindset and a, and a philosophy, if you like, or an approach. That is, it's not a failure. You don't lose unless you give up. Now, it's amazing. I've worked with a lot of people over the last few years, and many of them uh, have been in positions where they've had to deal with a lot of, uh, a lot of challenging 
situations, a lot of challenging challenges for want of a better term, and many of them at the time have felt like, you know what, it's all too hard, I've got to give up, I've got to stop. Uh, but there was something there was something deep within them that said, no, no, I've got to keep going because I've got to find an answer to this problem. And it comes down to a philosophy also that we always talk about here on the podcast, and it's a philosophy that um, is, is based in excellence, and that is that it's there's always an answer. There's always an answer to every problem. As long as we, first of all, be prepared to find and search for that answer, and second of all, that we believe there is actually an answer to a problem. And it does come down to a belief, and, it, and it's really a value system that we that we operate from. Because I've got to say, and you probably know this as well, there's a lot of people out there, and there's a lot of people in sales, for example, that give up, and they give up too easily. Sometimes they give up from like the first interaction with a potential customer, where the potential customer tells them, "No, not interested." They give up, right? <laughs> they don't. They don't continue to nurture and and build a build a relationship with that particular individual. Now, I'm not saying that as salespeople need to be. Uh, we need to be annoying and we need to be spamming people. But we also need to recognize that there's going to be a certain position that anybody, whether it be an individual or an organization, uh, there'll be a buying cycle that they sit in and they're not always going to be exactly in the purchasing frame when you interact with them. So you're often going to get people to say, no, not interested or no, not now, or whatever the case might be. And what's really staggering is the number of salespeople that take that on face value and no longer have any interaction or reach out to those potential customers again. And they think, well, that person said no, so it must be a no. The psychology behind this and the statistics behind this based on research is that often you need to have contact with potential customers anything from 9 to 20 plus times before an organization or an individual feels comfortable wanting to engage with you. Now, that's also saying that they do a lot of research with you. They do, and more and more buyers today are more educated than ever before. And so very rarely, if you're representing an organization, very rarely would that organization or the or the potential customer not know something about you or your organization before you actually first interact with them. So whether it be Facebook, whether it be Google, whether it be LinkedIn, people are doing research and they'll find out things about you before you even walk in the front door. So don't think that just a no up front means you need to stop. But I'm staggered at the number of salespeople that do that. The ones that are successful, the ones that are successful over a long period of time are the ones that recognize that, hey, it might be a no right now, but I've got to continue to nurture this relationship because just because they said no not right now, they may not be ready to buy. It may not be not the right time. So I've got to continue to nurture that relationship and keep front of mind. And that doesn't mean hassling people, but it means learning the lesson from that and actually being in a position to continue to add value and continue to give, like we talked about yesterday, to the point where that where that particular customer, potential customer, potential organization, when they move into the buying cycle, when they move into the buying frame or the purchasing frame, you are the first person they think about. And there's a natural consequence of that. You'll end up winning business. And you'll win more business than you lose by doing that, I can guarantee it. And so this came to bear today because I was actually having a conversation with a client. I'm helping them right now with their sales leadership and their positioning in the marketplace. Um, And they're not getting the responses right now that they were expecting or hoping. And again, they were thinking about, well, this person said no, this company said no, so therefore we're going to put them in an archive and not talk to them again. And I said, well, all it takes is a little bit of tweaking. We've got to think about um, how many times, how many touch points do you need to have with a potential customer, like I've just talked about, before that customer is ready to purchase, or at least has a level of interest that they worth it's worth having a conversation with them. So it's about tweaking the messaging and tweaking the conversation they're having, and doing the testing and measuring, doing the, and re-implementing 
what the strategy is we've put in place. Because I said to them today, one of the key things to think about is it's it's not so much that you're getting no's or you're getting silence. It's the lesson that comes from that. We need to think about, okay, what is that? Because it's feedback. Feedback is key. Feedback, anything you do is getting feedback. So conversation with somebody is feedback. I get feedback all the time on this on this podcast. I get feedback. People not responding to messages on LinkedIn is feedback. People responding to messages on LinkedIn is feedback. People not responding to phone calls when you leave a voicemail and not responding to that voicemail, that's feedback, right? And it doesn't, it, it all comes down to what we make this mean. The other part of this, of course, is reflection is key as well. So reflection on what we're doing well, what, what we're not doing so well, and being able to adjust is key to learning the lessons because the wins are always going to be in the lessons. And this reminds me of uh, a time when, this goes back a few years, when I was learning how to present, how to facilitate, and it was part of my coaching training many years ago. And I remember, and I often reflect on this now, and thinking, well, the experience that I had to go through back then to learn how to be a facilitator, to learn how to be a good trainer, to learn to be different than all the other trainers out there that simply train based on PowerPoints and, and workbooks. I wanted to learn how to train and how to facilitate without notes. And I wanted to be able to hold people's attention for a day or two days without having to refer to workbooks, without having to refer to a copious amounts of PowerPoint decks, and in most cases, not have any notes to refer to either. Now, having said that, I still work with a flow, but there was a, there was a science behind it, and it was a really, really brutal <laughs> series of lessons that I learned many years ago because I happened to have the privilege of working with a number of great facilitators who were world-class facilitators who were brought in to help us do exactly the same thing, to lift our game, to provide feedback, to help us step up and be even better at what we did in terms of facilitation and training. And the process we went through, I've got to say, was brutal. Uh, and I often share this in workshops because people are often asking me, how do you how do you present? How do you facilitate? How do you do this for two days or three days or, or two hours, whatever the case might be, without notes? How do, you, how do you remember what to say? How do you interact with the audience and all that sort of stuff? And I said, well, one of the things that we were taught is uh, many people, when they present in front of a group, for example, they don't like talking in front of a group. That's the first thing. Second of all, they sometimes have no control over what they do with their hands or their mannerisms. And so there's an almost unconscious response to standing up in front of a group. And if you had a video camera on most people, you'd find there'd be little idiosyncrasies, little ticks that might exist, uh, people doing certain things with their hands that they're not consciously aware of. And so one of the first lessons I had to learn was we spent a whole week having to learn how to present information without moving our hands. In fact, we had to be like a statue where the only thing we could move was our head. So we only had our head, our eyes, our words we spoke, but also our voice or our tonality on how to deliver a message and how to start facilitating a message. So that was that was a brutal, brutal lesson. Now, it's only in hindsight that, because at the time it was horrendous, I hated it, but I also hated the feedback I was given because these people were not, uh, <laughs> they were not shrinking violets, but they also were very brutal in terms of their feedback on you as a facilitator. And at the time, it was really, really hard to cop because I thought, individually, I thought that I was pretty good at presenting in front of people, right? And I, I had feedback from people in my team, uh, people in organizations that I was working at at the time that said, oh, you're a great presenter, you, you can do more presentations. And whenever there was an industry sort of forum, whenever there was an opportunity to present in front of a group, they'd always get me to do that or to facilitate something. But of course, that was feedback from people that weren't experts in facilitation and in training. So when I was actually getting feedback from experts in facilitation and in training, it was actually really, really harsh. But 
they had the best intentions. They were looking at how we could actually become really, really powerful presenters, facilitators, and world-class presenters. And so that was the whole premise by which they were giving this feedback. And it wasn't until I started to uh, then go back out and start to facilitate and start to train that I started to understand that the lessons that I had learned through that process were actually some of the best lessons I've ever learned because it helped me get to an entirely new level. And now when I look at some of the other presenters that I'm, I'm sort of working in the industry against, uh, I'm so glad that I got the feedback and I'm so glad that I was put through the experience that pretty much had to be broken down and then built back up again when it comes to facilitation. But it was all done with the right intention. Now, if I didn't see that as a lesson, and if I didn't see that as a seed of an opportunity to get better, and if I didn't look back on that and say, well, that was actually a positive experience, I would have given up. In fact, there were people that gave up in that particular training because it was too harsh to receive the feedback, and they ended up not coming back. And that, unfortunately, was the, I guess, the perception they had, the process of thinking they had, and that was their mindset. So they never got the opportunity to really experience what it was to take an audience from a certain position and move them over a period of time to get them to take a piece of action or to get them to influence them in a certain way. In other words, to significantly improve the way that you influence an audience, whether it be a couple of people or a big group, through the power of facilitation. It was a lesson that I'm so grateful that I learned. So how does this all apply to us as sales leaders and to our sales teams? Well, it's really simple, right? It's it's a case of we're going to have to be putting ourselves in positions where we don't know what the outcome is going to be. You're going to make a phone call to a prospective client and they might tell you to bugger off. They might hang up on you. You might send an email or a LinkedIn message to somebody and they might reject you and say no, right? Are you going to take that feedback as a loss or are you going to take that feedback as a lesson? And what is the seed of the opportunity in that lesson that you can utilize, make some adjustments and then re-go, re-go again, re-implement? And what is the lesson you can learn from every single situation you find yourself in? Because sometimes the lesson itself is the win, even though at the time it may not necessarily feel like a win. Or for all intents and purposes, when we're measuring tangible outcomes, it may not look like a win either. But I guarantee it will be a win if you look for what the lesson is. What is the positive intention to come out of that particular situation? So as a sales leader, the same thing applies. There'll be some things that you do this week. There'll be some things that you do today that won't necessarily work. And it won't it, it won't feel like you're winning. And sometimes it may not even feel like you're making progress. But understand this. As long as your intention is to get better. As long as your intention is to look for the opportunity in any situation. As long as your intention is to seek the feedback, and that includes self-feedback, but also feedback from the environment that you're operating in, you will always find a lesson, and that lesson will be a win because that will become a platform from which you can actually get better as long as you continue to take action. Because what it does do is will set you on an upward improved trajectory. And through that, through the power of staying in the game and constant and ever and improvement, you will get to a point where looking back, you'd be thinking, wow, that was the best lesson I needed to learn. I'm so glad I did and you'd be so grateful for it. So with that said, I trust that message helps, trust that message resonates. It certainly helped uh, help, help me when I was going through that training many, many years ago and it certainly helped my client today in terms of um, repositioning some things and taking some feedback on board and making some adjustments and getting back into that game. So as a quick reminder, if you are committed and you are disciplined and you want to take your leadership to the exceptional level, then let's jump on a call and start working together as early as, hey, tomorrow uh, or Monday, early next week. Love to work with you one-on-one and help you take your sales leadership to the exceptional level. I am looking for the next couple of uh, ideal clients to work with who are committed to do that over the next 90 days. So if that's you, let's jump on a call. Go to my calendar at leadwithdarren.com, pick a time, we'll sit down and have a conversation and get to work. So with that said, 
Have a phenomenal rest of Thursday, the 3rd of June, and I very much look forward to sharing with you on the next episode of the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it, but also if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.